two, one. Well, welcome to the Hebron Church of Hope podcast. We exist to make disciples and glorify God. Today, we've got James McKee on the podcast, and we're going to hear a bit about his life, about his conversion story, and how he is serving the Lord. So why don't you say, hey, James. Hey, everyone. Uh, Thanks for having me here today, Jordan. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, Really looking forward to our conversation, and uh, I'm excited for the church to hear a bit about your life and and how God's been at work in you. So, James, could you tell everyone where you're from and how you came to Hebrew and Church of Hope? Sure. Uh, I grew up in Cumberland, Rhode Island, so only about an hour from here. Um, It's not too far of a drive from Rhode Island to Connecticut. Mm. Uh, And went to school at the University of Connecticut for four years for my undergrad. And um, my wife and I live about 15 minutes away from Hebron. And um, since getting married 10 months ago, 10 or 11 months ago, we've just been looking for a local church to plug into and, um, yeah, find our community. Oh, so you're, you've only been married for 10 months. Okay, so who are you married to? <laughs> yes, my wife's name is uh, Maggie McKee. Maggie McKee. Yep. Are you going to try to give everybody her maiden name? Because that is quite the task, if you ask me. Yep. Uh, I've had some experience learning how to say it. Her maiden name is Kayang Yang. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) We'll have to have Maggie on the podcast soon so she can uh, tell everybody the correct way (laughs) to say anything. So uh, we're so thankful to have you and Maggie and... 10 months, man. So that's exciting. You guys are coming up to a year pretty soon here. Yeah. Yeah. June 4th will be our anniversary. We're still trying to figure out what we want to do, but um, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. June is a great month to get married in my personal opinion uh, because Rachel and I got married in June as well. So uh, yeah, you guys are coming up on one year and we're going to be coming up on our ninth anniversary. So oh, wow. congrats. Thanks. I'm still alive and so are you. So praise God. Yeah. <laughs> it's been it's been a fun ride. Um, awesome. So, James, could you tell us a little bit about your upgrade, uh, your upbringing? Um, did you grow up, like, tell us about growing up in Rhode Island, what your family was like, and if you had any early experiences in the church? Sure. Yeah, so, um, growing up, I have two older sisters. Um, my parents have been mar- married for 30-plus years now. And, yeah, just growing up, we had a... Um, I grew up in a Catholic church, um, but we were just like nominal Catholics. Mm. Um, Christmas and Easter were the two big times of the year to go to church. And I remember when I was little, I did the CCD process, um, mm. got confirmed, did First Communion and all that. But yeah, I just, I always share with people just feeling like I never retained anything um, growing up in the Catholic church. You know, it was, it was 40 minute like Catholic services, so the short end of the Catholic mm. service side, and um, always just thinking about what to do next, what to do after, and not really knowing the why I was here, why what I was doing just beside, you know, my mom wanted me here, and her mom's mom wanted her there, and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so I couldn't really have told you what the gospel was growing up. I couldn't have told you who Jesus was. Um, yeah, really did not retain much information growing up, so... Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian background, Christian community. Um, yeah, I would say that for sure did not grow up in that sort of environment. Um, and a lot of my friends and the people in my town uh, also either grew up as nominal Catholics, as, you know, Christmas and Easter growers, mm. or just plain old would not go to church or didn't talk about anything Christian related or anything like that. So um, that's a little bit about my background. Nice, nice. So 
you have two older sisters you said yeah awesome um and then your parents are still in rhode island yeah yep cool what do your parents do for work uh, my dad is uh, in development business. My mom actually works with my dad now. So he builds houses, um, apartments, complexes, and my mom's the one that sells them. So. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's a good partnership duo right there. Yep. Yeah, and uh, you and Maggie are like personally benefiting from some of this, yeah? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, our my parents are building us a house. Um just literally a 30 second drive from UConn's campus, which will be convenient for, convenient for us mm-hmm. and with what we're doing with work and all that uh, at UConn. So yeah, we're just waiting for um, the house to be done and ready and then we'll be uh, living there. Yeah, this may be a great opportunity for us to call on our brother Joe mm. and say, hey <laughs> Joe, um, we need you to call in a favor with Eversource and uh, make sure that the McKees get some power. Amen. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I know that that process, um, my in-laws, when they were building their house, they were trying to get, uh, the power set up and it seemed mm. like it took forever. So, mm-hmm. um, man, we're, we're really glad that you're going to have a home right next to the campus mm-hmm. and, and close to the church and, uh, that it will be a great place uh, for you guys growing up and, uh, being together as a married couple. And that's awesome that your parents can can serve you in that way and, and be part of that process. It's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it, it is cool that they're blessing us almost inadvertently. <laughs> mm, yeah. So, um, you know, in light of like your upbringing, uh, and you know, a big part of your own personal story is involvement and in things going around campus at the university of Connecticut. So could you tell us a little bit about, uh, like your days at UConn mm. and, how God brought you to faith in him through the gospel and what that, that story was all like. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, when I came to UConn, um, I was the only one from my high school that actually came to, uh, UConn. I had a small graduating class. So, uh, I was just looking to start things new, start things fresh, you know, make new friends, kind of develop what I was going to want to do in life with a new major and what the career out of college would be. So uh, being the only one for my high school, I was just looking to find a community, um, find a group of friends, find my place or click, if you will. Um, and my freshman year, I decided to join a fraternity. And um, yeah, I, I, had nice. not, I had not found Jesus at this point, but <laughs> was just looking to do what all the other guys were doing. Um, you know, just feel accepted by others and do the things that everyone else was doing around me. Um, and so, yeah, I rushed the frat my freshman year and, um, yeah, was just into the party scene, the hookup culture and just everything that you could imagine college culture. Mm. Um, and then it was my sophomore year where, uh, there were two guys in the fraternity that, uh, invited me to a Bible study, which was just really interesting for me to hear because, yeah, man. uh, well, one Bible studies were, I've, I've never been to one. Um, and yeah, never had any experience with that. So I just had a real stigma around that. Mm. Um, you know, growing up, I, the words Bible study was just in my brain, you know, stay away from there. That's where the crazy kids are. <laughs> what comes to my mind is I think of uh, that movie, She's the Man, mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. Amanda Bynes, where you're like, you know, they're all 
uh, in that little gazebo thing, and there's the guy playing the guitar, singing songs about oh, Jesus, boy. and everybody's <laughs> like, they are weird. Yeah, <laughs> that's precisely probably what was going on in my brain back then. Um, but the interesting part of that, too, was that uh, two guys in my fraternity were the ones that you know, kind of reeled me into learning about Jesus. And if it weren't for, you know, close friends of mine at that point that were talking about the Bible and talking about Jesus, I don't know if I would have said yes to trying it out. Mm. Um, you know, I just think if it were strangers on the street, it, it would have been like, all right, definitely stay away from me, buddy. <laughs> mm. Um, so yeah, the, those two guys that invited me, um, I ended up saying yes last minute, but I trusted them. I knew knew them they were close friends of mine and decided to give it a shot and um this bible study was hosted by the navigators mm. so the collegiate ministry that i'm a part of now and work for now um this is how i got introduced to the navigators as well mm. uh, through these two guys and it was a bible study the bible study was called uh, nobleman a biblical guide about manhood mm. and you know i just had a lot of things going on in my life that I was just really desperate to try and find anything that could give me a breath of fresh air. So I think God used that at a really cool like point in time for me to say yes, or just to explore something that I wasn't used to. Um, so all these little pieces were adding up and mm -hmm. getting me to come to this Bible study. And yeah, the first few weeks I was just hearing the gospel through this Bible study course for the first time. Like it was real basic stuff. Like what your identity in Jesus looks like, what Jesus did on the cross, why Jesus loves you, all all basic things. But I just never heard it in such a way outside the Catholic church context that, you know, would actually register with me in my brain. Um, and so first few weeks, I, uh, I think it was the fourth session where um, I talked to the guy who was leading the course after after the session and we were there for about two hours and I just remember uh, praying and crying and uh, asking to receive Jesus in my life that night. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's, uh, that's how I came to faith. Um, I'm grateful that the navigators were on the Yukon uh, campus. Um, and yeah, man, that's such an encouraging story. Uh, was it Brandon? Yeah. Yeah. He was okay, the one yeah. in the course. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, we love Brandon and Ashley. You're so thankful for them and, and their work up at Yukon. Um, I mean, I, I just was like thinking about as you're sharing a little bit of this, how like countercultural it must have been to be going to like, first of all, you meet guys in your fraternity mm -hmm. that invite you to a Bible study, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. that, that's countercultural. That's you know? unheard of. <laughs> but then even like the Bible study you're attending is talking about manhood. Mm -hmm. And right now, like nobody wants to talk about that, oh, right? Gosh. Like that is a hot ticket item where we just like stay away from all things that are masculine within the world. Mm -hmm. um, but God used those things to like draw you into himself and, and have you here and respond to the gospel. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 I, now that you say it, all of those things are really countercultural and crazy that God used those things as a way to entice me to the gospel and himself. Yeah. Yeah, so I can imagine, like, if you were hearing those things, like, just being about a biblical man, hmm. like, the roles of leadership, and thinking through what it, like, means to follow Jesus, have your identity in him, that must have been weird. <laughs> yeah, yep. Um, I think just because the gospel was so clearly displayed through these topics, uh, you know, topics of masculinity, like you were saying, mm -hmm. it, being a college student at UConn, 
definitely was like a would have been a sensitive topic um, for me to talk about but just the bible and the gospel being so clearly displayed there was nothing that um, had deterred me from wanting to learn more and dig deeper about what god and the bible has to say about these things um it, it was just a really pure intent look at what does the bible say and there's no bias from this corner or that corner coming into this but we just want to see who god is and what the bible says about these things and so i really appreciated that and just wanted to learn um and didn't have you know wasn't trying to pick a fight or anything reading the bible for the first time really just wanted to see god uh, clearly for the first time for who he was amen um so maybe just walk us through a little bit of like what was it like as because this was your sophomore year that yep. you went through the, the yep. study right so did you stay part of that fraternity mm-hmm. and what was it like to be a christian in that kind of like cultural setting and trying to like communicate the truths that you now believe with the friendships that you had developed and the brothers that you had mm-hmm. uh, in that kind of setting yep so when I came to this Bible study, the, the two guys that invite, invited me uh, actually got a few of the other fraternity guys to come in on this Bible study. Um, and when I accepted Christ in the first few weeks of this course, um, I remember one of the first things I thought was just was just really feeling shock and how God had changed my life and just really feeling that new DNA in my life of, you know, Holy Spirit, I've accepted as in me now. Mm-hmm. Um and so one of my first thoughts that I remember from back then was just, I want to stay in this fraternity. Well, in, in two, one sense I did and one sense I didn't. Mm. Uh, one sense that I didn't was I'm really sick of the party scene and the hookup culture and just mm. drinking every single night sort of deal. Um, I, I didn't want to deal with that anymore. But in the second sense where I did want to stay was I was so overwhelmed and shocked at how God had transformed and changed my life. Uh, that I had thought if God could do this for me, he could do this for any fraternity kid in the world. Mm. Um, so it just that thought, um, that's, that's what led me to stay in the fraternity for, uh, the next couple of years. Yeah. To the, to the end of my college experience, actually. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So as you were like living out a Christian worldview now mm-hmm. in the fraternity, mm. <laughs> What was that like? Did you face opposition from your frat brothers? And did you like get the opportunity to see anybody like hear the gospel or even respond to it with belief or unbelief as you were spending those last couple of years at UConn? Hmm. Uh, Yeah, I remember. um, I don't know if opposition is the right word, but I definitely remember feeling just like a stranger in the fraternity when I accepted Jesus in my life. Um, it was great to have, uh, a few guys that were Christians from that nobleman course actually. Um, but they were all older than me. So they graduated, uh, before I did. And then I remember feeling really like the lone wolf, but, um, but yeah, I, I just remember feeling, you know, the guys were, you know, just, just asking me questions, trying to poke at me a little bit for my new Christian faith. And, um, yeah, just, yeah, felt a little excluded in some ways, but I never felt directly attacked of like, you have to leave, mm. so to say. Um, and honestly, I think a lot of that sort of feeling just is built up fear about how others are going to view you when you become Christian or when you are a Christian. Um, it, you know, it was a little weird and awkward, but definitely not like you need to leave. Otherwise, we're going to beat you up sort of deal. <laughs> yeah. um, Thank God it didn't get to that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so... 
when I accepted Jesus at that point, COVID hit uh, oh, like a month, month and a half later. And that's when like the entire world shut down and went into quarantine and all that. Um, so it was, I didn't really have um, contact with the other guy or like in-person contact at, at the least. Um, we would meet like once a week over Zoom for our chapter meetings and stuff. But um, but yeah, when, when I came back to school and when things started opening up again, I decided to uh, run a Bible study in my fraternity. And, um, oh man, I, I remember uh, opening that door through the first chapter meeting my senior year, because that's when things started opening up again. And I was the vice president of the fraternity, so I had a leadership position and wanted to use that to my advantage of having some influence, whether the guys would, you know, hang out with me or just listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the first chapter meeting, I told the entire group, I was like, I'm going to be running Bible study. And I just felt like eyes were just like glaring at me of like, what in the world did you just say? <laughs> and it felt like I was speaking Chinese to <laughs> these guys, but... I'm glad I did it. Um, I wanted to send a broad uh, invite to the group and then uh, just kind of go after them one by one to see if they wanted to actually, you know, learn about who Jesus is. And so um, my senior year, I had a Bible study going with with the guys. Um, It was a really cool culture of the Bible study. Um, Yeah, I remember actually having a lot of fun with that. And um, yeah, that was how I kept in touch with the guys and just... uh, tried to do my part man that that's incredible um so that must i mean when covid came and the whole world shut down that was Mm a a time in itself right i mean like i can remember um here at the church we we heard about covid literally the week beforehand we had voted on a new statement of faith and then we were ready to like rock out this new chapter of life in the church the world shuts down (laughs) literally five days after that and uh, we, we didn't meet in person again for 13 weeks. It was oh, so weird, mm. right? And then coming back in and seeing what was that like and, and you know, trying to re-engage with people and um, care for people and, and lead lead the church forward, continuing to stay like true to who we are mm-hmm. um, in the scripture. Yeah, it just a, it's just a weird time. So for you as a new Christian, that must have been really difficult because now in one sense, like, You've been with people, you get to hear like the gospel, you've been walking with a, a close group of guys for a number of weeks, and then all of a sudden you're a Christian and the world shuts down. Yeah. So yep. what was it like to like be involved in discipleship? How were you being discipled through that season? And were you involved in the local church? I think you shared a little bit about like chapters, like did you guys stay connected online? What did that look like? Yeah. Um yeah, I remember when when COVID broke out, uh, there were just a lot of things on Zoom happening online. Um, you know, I've obviously not the best option or choice, um, yeah. but just with, due to circumstances and whatnot. Uh, so our Bible study, Nobleman, was uh, kept going once a week online. Um, funny enough, uh, that summer, um, I did a summer training program with the navigators which is they do one every summer um and trying to gather students in the northeast region which is just our region um together for x amount of weeks just to learn more about jesus um what it looks like to make him known and help others do the same is the mantra of what we're trying to learn through a stp summer transformation program 
and that happened online so they sent packets out and i remember that as a really pivotal time of just like really engaging the scriptures more um but it's funny because i said no to that uh, stp before covid hit that semester because i I was just thinking, oh, I'm already working, I already got a plan, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and God had used COVID to actually um, help me in my faith by uh, engaging in this STP and being with a community online. Again, not the best choice, but it was better than what I had originally signed up for before COVID hit. Yeah. So it was funny just how God was using uh, COVID in a way. I think just, I think more than just myself, but just to help people pause and like you know stop everything going on in the world and just like sit down reflect and take some time to just process and reflect on things since you couldn't do a lot of things in that time yeah um yeah so the bible study though also kept going once a week until summertime and the culture we had in that bible study was just insane still to this day i i don't think i've experienced anything like it where there were 12 guys student uh guys that were in this bible study and like I think at least six of those guys all came to faith that Bible study semester in that semester. And we just had a culture of like all but two guys were Christians going into this Bible study. And so it was just, it was really crazy that everyone was just going into this thing, earnestly seeking who Jesus was. And we just had a brotherhood of like, we're going after this thing. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to read the Bible together and the, these are all, you know, words that Christians know now, but for us, it was just like, what do we do? Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. We're supposed to read a chapter of Proverbs. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll read. And we're just like earnestly and honestly, like making observations as we go and talking mm. and calling once per day. Um, yeah. I, so four of those guys in that Bible study group be, were my groomsmen for my wedding uh, last year, essentially. Yeah. And it was just cool, the culture we had. So uh, again, it, Although online and Zoom wasn't the ideal choice, it was just we we had a tight bond and connection um, that was just really hard to break. Yeah, no, that's so good. Like when you've got a group of guys that are going through something similar all at the same time and they're all hungry for it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that hunger fuels your like motivation to toward each other and individually to, to keep on going. So, man, that's that's great. I mean, it is pretty miraculous when you think of how how you were not ready to be part of this summer transformation thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, God brings COVID and you're like, well, I, I guess I have time now. <laughs> right? yep. Yep. But man, I'm, I'm just so thankful that you were able to like dive into the word, study, get to know Jesus, know your, know yourself in Christ and uh, learn more about God in that time. That's, that's awesome. So, um, yeah. So you've mentioned navigators a couple times now. Why don't you tell uh, our church what Navigators is, uh, how you serve with them, and what they're all about? Sure. Uh, so the Navigators is a parachurch organization, um, and we it's a global organization. Our mantra, our motto is to know Christ, to make him known, and help others do the same. Um, and there's different branches or sections of uh, navigators, if you will. So there's a military branch, there's a nav 20s branch, there's a, uh, well, the one I work on is the collegiate ministry branch of navigators. Um, so yeah, when I graduated, um, I, my wife and I, Maggie and I went on staff with the navigators. Um, 
the big thing I guess we highlight or how others might perceive what the navigators highlight is just uh, discipleship. And we really try to hone in on just um, what life-to-life discipleship looks like. Um, my wife, Maggie, and my uh, verse in the cards we send to people is First Thessalonians 2.8. Um, and just talks about sharing your own life and the gospel and bringing all of it together and not compartmentalizing one or the other. So uh, to have Brandon, the guy that led the nobleman course, um, it wasn't just a group Bible study for me at that time. It was him meeting with me one-on-one. Uh, his wife meeting with uh, Maggie one-on-one. And so just being part of the Navigators now and what I'm doing with my job is essentially just trying to emulate that sort of relationship with new students. Um, Mm. And it's very pass-onable. It's very reproducible to just, you know, have a Bible and try and meet with one other guy. And if they're hungry for the word or want to learn, you bring the Bible and uh, you bring yourself and that's all you need. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, it sounds like, and you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but from what I can remember, they're, they're like other campus ministries. They go and they do like a once a week kind of get together with mm-hmm. everybody, right? Yeah. Yep. So does Navigators do some of that? Yeah. 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 Sorry to mention that, but yeah. Um, this, uh, yeah, we do a once a week student gathering. Um, we are focusing and honing in on just what does it look like to share your faith and make disciples uh, in this once a week gathering, we call it uh, DMC, standing for Disciple Making Community. And um, we really just try and show students that it, reaching out to the lost doesn't have to be as scary and big of a thing that some people might m- make it think in their brains. Mm. Um, a lot of what we try to focus on during those once a week gatherings is just people sharing a baby step they took that week with, uh, with a lost friend of mm. theirs. Um, and just by, you know, taking a baby step, whether it's sending a friend a text, whether it's getting a meal with them, whether it's sending them a text of prayer or something, um, these are all just little things we can do and aims and hope to, um, help them down the line and, and help them see who Jesus is. And so, yeah, just taking one little baby step at a time is, um, what we focus on at our weekly gatherings and, um, just help embody a culture of, uh, having a heart for lost. Yeah. So your weekly gatherings are like, they're there, but that's probably not the main focus of navigators, right? Right. So that would be like the one-to-one getting together with people, yep. re- like reading the word with them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Explain yep. a little bit about that. Yeah. So in my position, in my job on staff of the navigators, um, I've heard it said so many times that the best collegiate, uh, disciple making person is the college student themselves. So, um, what I really try and focus on in, in my position is just how can I help empower and equip uh, the Christian on campus um, to strengthen their own personal ministry as a student for them being a student on campus. Um, so a lot of my job, what I, uh, the terminology I use is I'm always pioneering on campus. Mm. So just looking for new people who might be hungry to read the word, to learn who God is. Uh, and the second part is to be a mobile alongsider to the student on campus that is now walking with Jesus. So an example is in October 2022, Peyton was a non-believer who was interested in reading the word. And so we got together once or twice a week sort of deal and read the Bible together. And he amazingly accepted Jesus a month or a month and a half after. Um, and he just saw the, the one-on-one relationship that we had 
and how he could take that sort of structure to his friend Johnny or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so my job with Peyton now is not really pioneering with him, but just alongside his ministry as he's thinking about the students in his class, the other students that are in the same clubs that he's in or the people he regularly sees at the dining hall or the gym. Um, and so he's reading the Bible with this guy named uh, John, that's a sophomore. And I'm just trying to encourage and equip him to take ownership of the lost souls that God has put in his life. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So what I love about that is that it's not necessarily about a program. Mm. It's about people. Hmm. It's about people and opening up God's word, letting God's word do its work and transforming our hearts, our minds, the gospel being revealed to us and changing us. So that's amen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good, good stuff. Um, so is there anything else that you would want to highlight about navigators and about your ministry, your role with them, or even like what they do that would be helpful for the church body? Mm. Um, just in my experience, the, the heart for the loss that the navigators have helped me see just through reading the word when I became Christian, um, was just so helpful for me to, I think just to see the Bible more clearly and to live my life in accordance to what the Bible says. Um, yeah, another term we use is just, uh, I've heard it say like the, the navigators want to help you become a self feeder. So someone that, uh, doesn't need to rely on others in order to be walking with Jesus. So when I became Christian, um, I remember having quiet times or talks, time alone with God was such a emphasized thing that uh, Brandon really wanted me to get, you know, deep into. Um, and so just being a self-feeder, uh, being someone that would read the word, someone that um, understood prayer as an important vital mm-hmm. part of your faith, uh, just having those things quickly passed on to me. Um, if I can help a new person, someone that comes to faith, uh, understand that these are uh, ways we get to be with the Lord and get to, you know, be rooted up and established and mature in our faith. Um, that, yeah, that was super helpful for me and helped me just see more clearly the the picture for um for all that are outside the church and Mm -hmm. all that don't know who Jesus is. And I think I carry a lot of just remembrance of what my life was before knowing Jesus and uh, really just seriously believing that if a lost fraternity kid that was getting drunk every night could find Jesus, anybody in the world can. So, Mm, yeah. Yeah. So uh, as you work with navigators, um, I think it's helpful for the church to know that like, how do you, um, how do you get paid? Mm. <laughs> yeah uh it's all through fundraising um yeah my my wife and uh, my entire salary comes through fundraising um navigators have a pretty rigorous uh um structure of in a school for uh fundraising and so i just remembered when i came on staff my wife and i we were just reaching out to family members, friends, um, different churches that mm-hmm. thankfully have, uh, supported us. Um, friends of friends, uh, actually 80%, 80 to 90% of our fundraising income has come from just recommendations of people. So it's actually really cool to see how God, um, does provide and is for us, uh, in this time when, you know, I didn't know many Christians in my background community, um, a lot of my funding appointments kind of look like sharing the gospel in the same time of asking mm. for money in, the, in that first summer. 
so that was really difficult but just seeing how god is for us and will provide Mm. through people we 80 to 90 percent of people we have yet to meet but just through friend of a friend recommendation Mm. um so it's all through fundraising um it's a ministry of its own Mm. and um yeah that's how we're supported yeah so in light of that like thinking through your fundraising like you're i imagine that that's not just like a one-time deal you're always trying to like get supporters and partners in the in your gospel work so i just want to encourage our church body as they're listening to this to connect with you and maggie to see how they can be involved in financially partnering with you and prayerfully partnering with you as you're doing work up at yukon and uh another plug for that is just that see we're going to see ways that our church can be physically present for your ministry up at yukon so uh, guys continue to pray for james and maggie <laughs> And donate, <laughs> donate to their cause. We're we're thankful they're doing good work up at UConn, uh, gospel work up there. So yeah, if you want more about that, you can see James or Maggie soon and they can uh, get you a link so that you can partner up with them. So uh, James, what do you do for fun, man? Mm. What do you enjoy outside of like ministry work? You and Maggie, you're just hanging out. What's, what's the something that you guys do for fun? Hmm. That's actually been a really big question this year. Uh, for me, this has been my first year on staff and just learning what does it look like to rest well and just what are some things to do outside of work because so much of it, like I said, gets tangled with, with with sharing the gospel and with doing life-to-life, just sharing your home, sharing your literal life with people. Um, it's 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 easy to not step out and just, you know, find some things that are fun and restful for you. So... Um, I like to be active in, um, just things I do for fun. Like if we play tennis, that would be my favorite thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I go to the gym, uh, like skiing. I actually love skiing. Um, Nice. Yeah. yeah, A little hard now in May, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) yep. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I've always, uh, chess has always been a fun thing. I think just a fun thing for my brain to think about something else and, same thing with piano, just to have my brain set on something else. Um, but yeah, just just these little things that I could do individually or with a friend are always fun for me to uh, get to do. Yeah, I I know that uh, one of your your favorite hobbies is uh, to play FIFA. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. I, I'm very happy about that. Uh, it's great to have another guy to mess around with on Xbox. We've <laughs> 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 enjoyed our our little matches, <laughs> so that, that's been a good time. Um, just some random off the cuff questions for you too. So what's your favorite food? Hmm. I've always said lobster. Lobster. I'll probably still stick with lobster. Yeah. I love yeah lobster. That's a good Rhode Islander right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yep. So what do you think about uh, like Rhode Island lobster? Like it, it, do you prefer it over like Maine? Uh, Cause apparently Maine is the Mecca for. Yeah, no, I would choose lobster. Maine. Yeah. I would, cho- I've had Maine lobster before. That's amazing. Mm. I will say though, like the the like some of the seafood from Rhode Island is definitely different than here in Connecticut because we've we've got the sound, so you know it just doesn't it's not as fresh. I think at least. But. Yeah, I think chowder is actually a good example of that Rhode Island clam chowder is a unique thing of its own. It's pretty mm. good. Yeah, I don't know if I ever told you the story when it, Rachel and I when we went to Cedarville, we got plugged in with this. Um, there's like a group of students from New England and. Uh, one of the professors like had lived in the area for some time and hosted all of us at his house. And he did a new England, like, uh, I guess it was, yeah, a clam bake. 
and mm-hmm. did this like giant seafood thing. And Rachel and I, being from inland New England, we were not big seafood people. Oh, right? man. So we're going there. And I remember she just like didn't eat the whole time because she's like, I don't know. I, I can't do it. So, oh, no. Yeah. In some ways, we're bad New Englanders because uh. uh, we don't have tons of seafood, though. Hey, Maggie is not a seafood person at all. So there uh, we go. <laughs> if Maggie's like in our company, then I, I feel pretty good. So, <laughs> though Joe Godwin showed me some some pretty good stuff recently, and uh, mm. yeah, I, I can say I, I'm growing a taste for it. It's mm. good. Okay. <laughs> um, so what are you reading right now? Are you reading anything in the Bible? Reading any books that you're enjoying? Uh, I'm going through uh, Nehemiah in my quiet times right now. Um. And I really have never been a big reader. So uh, the only books <laughs> outside Bible I'll read for fun are basically just all Christian books or like Christian Devo books. Mm. Um, the one I just finished up was called Praying Your Bible. Um, and now I'm going through one recommended uh, by my friend Charlie uh, called All of Grace by mm. Charles Spurgeon. Mm, I hear about so good. I hear about Charles Spurgeon all the time through this friend and from you, honestly. So, <laughs> so I like Charlie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I figured I'd give it a read, and um, yeah, it's been fun getting to read those. And going through Nehemiah has been really good. I, I feel like I haven't been as familiar with that book compared to some New Testament books, and so um, it's been good to get to go through that. Nice, awesome. If there was anything that you would share to encourage our church right now in the season that we're in, um, how would you encourage the church to live out the gospel, share it as we are together? Hmm. Well, being at Hebron Church of Hope through the months that Maggie and I have been coming here and attending, um, it's really cool to get to see a culture of people that uh, know each other and actually talk to one another and um, develop friendships with one another and um, just to have a culture of community that does that with one another is something that my wife and I prize very highly. And, uh, one of my favorite things about coming to church here is I don't think I've seen this basically at any other church, but just the time that you open up for prayer and in prayer groups and just actually get to dive deep with one another about, you know, things that are going on in our life or how we could be praying for just things going on in the world or for a lost friend or something like that. So, I think having a culture of a community that cares about one another and actually knows one another uh, deeper than on the surface level of things, um, that's something definitely I've noticed and something that I would encourage the church to keep just doing more and more of. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's that's great news. I know for when we started doing that prayer time, <laughs> I chuckled because I think sometimes there's like nervousness that's in there, mm-hmm. you know, where you think of like, the average visitor comes through the door. They've never been to church before. And all of a sudden you get this call like, Hey, go pray with the person that you don't even know next to you. And oh, I love it. <laughs> I, yeah, they're like, you can see the shock in their face at times. They're like, Oh man, this is uncomfortable. But it, it really has developed a, like a culture where we're, we're trying to dive into each other's lives and get beyond just the, the surface and in a culture of prayerfulness. So thanks for that encouragement, man. I hope that's encouraging to our, our church as well. Uh, keep praying, keep, pushing into each other's lives. Well, James, man, I'm really thankful for you. Is there any way that we can be praying for you, for Maggie, as you guys come into this season of kind of like the downtime on the university end, but I imagine like fundraising and training is ramping up right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I was actually just thinking that this is going to be a season of fundraising for us. Um, 
and yeah, m- most summers are, are going to be like that for us, but, um, we're just kind of coming out of the semester mode and, um, coming back into just reaching out to people and see if they would want to join our team and, um, yeah, invest in what God's doing up at UConn. And, uh, so yeah, that's what our lives are going to look like for the next few months. (laughs) Well, man, let me pray for you and, uh, let's pray together for James Maggie. God, I thank you so much for James. And I thank you that you have saved him, that you have transformed his life from the frat kid to now a man who is on fire for you, who loves you, who loves the church, who loves making disciples and seeing people respond to the gospel. I thank you that you've changed every area of his life for your purposes and that you are using him for your work. And God, we lift up him and Maggie to you as they wait to move into their house. We pray that you would provide all the things necessary so that they can get in there and they can enjoy married life and their new home together. Uh, We pray that their home would be a place where the gospel is present, where students that walk in and and members of the church that walk in encounter your love for them, and that they would uh, be a blessing to those that are around them. We pray, Father, that you would provide for their needs as they raise support for their salaries uh, with the Navigators. We pray that our church particularly would be a blessing to them, not only through our prayerfulness, but also through our financial sacrifice for them. Uh, So God, thank you for any of the partnerships that we can establish with them to take care of their needs as they do gospel work up at UConn. And I pray for them as they head into the summer and as they have training things and they're going to travel, as they have time to, to read and celebrate their anniversary, that you would just bless them, that you would be with them, that you would give them wisdom, that you would help them to rest and that they would enjoy this season together. We thank you for them, and we thank you that we can live out the gospel together. Help us to be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.